Uh, our text from before this morning uh, shall come from this reading, and our text shall be uh, verse, verse 23. Uh, so verse 23, which we have just read, Wherefore then gavest not thou my money into the bank, that at my coming I might have required mine own with usury, with interest? And the title for our message this morning is Incredible Decisions Against Faith. Incredible decisions against faith. And uh, this parable, which we, we have just read, uh, it is uh, often sometimes called uh, the, the, the parable of the minas, which is the, uh, the Greek term for the amount of money. Uh, our version says the pound. It is the mina uh, in, in, in the Greek term. And this parable presents uh, the three types of responses uh, which, uh, which uh, we, we find uh, to God's incredible, there is an investment grant. There is an investment grant uh, which the Lord God gives to men, to men and women, and each, one, each of us who have never dying souls. And there is an investment grant given to us, uh, awareness of the gospel and awareness that we have uh, living souls. And this passage happens just before the Lord Jesus Christ approaches Jerusalem uh, for, uh, for the, the last time. And Christ, as ever, he's actually pleading with men. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ was always uh, pleading and remonstrating, urging uh, the, the people uh, to believe in the gospel and to believe in his word. Uh, but uh, the people uh, often just wanted uh, earthly blessings. They just wanted earthly prosperity. Uh, they knew that, uh, or that they, they hoped that he would be the Messiah uh, coming to, uh, to rescue Israel. Uh, from the Roman, uh, the Romans who had uh, conquered them, uh, but the, they were not really interested in, in the Lord Jesus Christ's spiritual uh, message. Uh, so he exhorts and he pleads. Uh, but this parable does have uh, uh, a bite in the tail. In that sense, uh, the Lord Jesus says at the end that that those who do reject the gospel, those who do reject uh, his his plea and his message of, of mercy. Uh, they will uh, ultimately be destroyed, uh, regardless of their hate, regardless of their opposition. Uh, they will ultimately be destroyed. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ had been to Jerusalem uh, five or six times uh, prior to this visit. Uh, but this time, uh, as we know, uh, as, as we go on in, in, in the gospel, we'll come to uh, the so-called triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Uh, this time on this uh, uh, sixth or seventh entry to Jerusalem, uh, there is excitement in the air and the people are, are wondering, is he now really going to take up and become the, uh, the earthly Messiah uh, whom uh, we, we were hoping for? And uh, as it said uh, in verse 11, uh, the Lord Jesus had to correct uh, their misunderstanding. Uh, verse 11 says, and as they heard these things, he has just, um, Zacchaeus has come to faith and there's a, there's a lot of buzz and energy in the air. And as they heard these things, he added, and spake a parable because he was nigh to Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. And uh, the parable goes on to explain that there was a nobleman who went to a far country. And this far country speaks to us that uh, the, the coming of, of the full kingdom of Messiah uh, was, was, going to take, was going to take some time. 
It was not going to happen immediately as the people were hoping that Christ would enter Jerusalem and then something would happen and, 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 and all the blessings uh, would immediately flow. Uh, the nobleman, he goes to receive for himself a kingdom uh, and, and, and to return. He goes to a far country uh, to receive this kingdom. So it was going to take time before the full manifestation of, of the messianic kingdom uh, to come through. Another thing which we can notice or which we can quickly take, even before we really get into the parable, is that the Lord Jesus will indeed one day establish his kingdom. And uh, the parable says that the nobleman goes to uh, receive the kingdom and he will return. The second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is something which is fixed. This is something which is sure. No matter how uh, long the Lord Jesus takes or appears to have taken, uh, this is something which is, is fixed and guaranteed in the Lord God's plans uh, for this world and for this universe. And for us, it might seem 2,000 years, ooh, that's a long time. Is he really going to come back? And really, in the grand scheme of things, it is just a bit of time. It's just a small amount of time. And then he shall immediately appear. And then uh, heaven and earth shall combine, and the new heavens and the new earth uh, shall be with us. Uh, so this is just, just something just to uh, quickly take away. Uh, this, this time which the Savior has been away uh, from this world, it is just a brief amount of time, really. Very soon, he shall suddenly come back. This is God's fixed uh, plan uh, for this universe. So let us uh, get into the passage. Let's, let, let us have a closer look at the scene of this parable. So we have this nobleman, and he is departing from his, his estate. And, um, and he, uh, we have all uh, perhaps uh, seen or, or read how these um, uh, noble people do. Uh, perhaps they are uh, going from the, uh, the winter house or the winter estate to, uh, to, to the summer house, uh, as, as you do, as one does. And as, as they're leaving the estate, uh, uh, he, they sort of, all the, uh, the servants and the butlers and the helpers and the gardeners, uh, they all line up. And so they all lined up along the drive. You can imagine a long drive and perhaps uh, obviously back in those days would have been a, a chariot of, of some type. So, so everyone is lined up uh, along the drive of this, this large uh, house of the estate and they are receiving uh, the final instructions. And they're being told, okay, so that room there needs to be packed down in this way and make sure that uh, the vegetable garden you, you, uh, you sort of harvested at this time, uh, perhaps uh, the nobleman is going away for, for six months or, or nine months. They're going to be away uh, for, for quite a while. So the instructions, uh, it's, it's, it's a nice occasion. Uh, it's, a, it's a warm occasion. But at the same time, specific and detailed instructions are being given. This is, this is important. This is a large estate. You can't just allow things to, to run down. You can't just allow things to be taken care of in any sort of, of haphazard uh, way. So th there are critical details being, uh, being advised and being informed. And from, from the parable, uh, what were the critical instructions? What, the, what were the critical details uh, given uh, to the people here in the parable? And so uh, the nobleman, he, he gives to them 10 pounds or 10 minas, as, as I've already explained. And he says to them, occupy till I come. And uh, the word occupy means busy oneself, busy oneself until I come. They needed to be busy. They needed to be working. 
needed to be applying themselves. And uh, uh, the, the investment grant, the, the money which was given to them, make good use of it, increase it, grow it, uh, apply it sort of uh, with, with, with great strategy, make something honorable. When the nobleman comes back, he shall receive it. Occupy till I come. Uh, that, that was a critical instruction uh, which was given uh, to, to, to all the servants there. And it, it is clear from the passage as well that the nobleman, he is a, he is a, a fair person, uh, he is a, a reasonable person, but he's also a no-nonsense person. You, you get that sense as you read uh, the passage. He is, he's reasonable, he's fair, he's, he's actually very generous and very kind. We see from the, the, the rewards uh, which he ultimately gives uh, uh, at the end of the, of, of the parable, but he's also a, a no-nonsense person. When he gives an instruction, he wants it to be followed, he wants it to be done. And he wants the servants to do uh, as, as, he, as they have been told. Uh, we can see this uh, because um, uh, we see in the parable, in the kingdom which he goes to receive, uh, there were some rebels there. And they, they sent a message saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. And that just sort of seems to disappear into nothing uh, in the parable. He just sort of goes and he takes so And the rebels just are, are, are seemingly just done away with. Uh, and so we can see that. Uh, the nobleman, as gracious and as kind as he is, he's also a no-nonsense man uh, as well. So all the more, knowing and seeing this character of the nobleman, when the servants were given uh, the, uh, the, the investment grant and they were given these expectations uh, to, uh, to perform and to, to apply themselves, uh, we, 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 we would expect them to follow. They, they knew that he was a serious person. We'd expect them to know uh, what, uh, what their master uh, was, was like. Occupy till I come. The critical instruction which he, he gave uh, to this people. And we can just read verse 15 again just to get that sense. And it came to pass that when he was returned, so the nobleman has come back uh, from, from, from his, his journey, Having received the kingdom, there was no trouble. The rebels were just, uh, as it were, uh, pushed out of the way. Having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him, to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. So there, was a, there is an expectation. An investment has been made, and there is an expectation of, of, of the return. And uh, the, uh, the word at the end of, of, of verse 15, the trading word, it's the same word as the, the occupy word. And it's really an intensive form of, of busying oneself and doing good, thoroughly occupying. What had been done with the grants? How much had been made? What were the returns for the master? And he really does want, want to know. And you can imagine similar to as he was leaving, they all come in and line up perhaps in the large um, uh, reception room, and, uh, and, and they have to explain themselves uh, to him. And the first servant comes, and uh, he says, uh, he says, Lord, uh, thy mina has gained 10 further minas. And this man, uh, he, he clearly, uh, both with hard work and uh, with, with good wisdom, he had increased the value of the mina, the, the one mina, he had increased the initial investment by a thousand percent. A thousand percent return on investment. This is this is legendary. This is amazing. The second person, second servant, also uh, wonderful. 
500% return on investment on the original uh, deposit, which was given uh, to him. And, and not as much as the first person, but, but, but even still, this, this, is the, this is out of this world. This is the stuff of dreams, 500% return on investment. Um, I'm sure we, we may know that uh, interest rates at the moment in banks, uh, if you have a savings account, it might be 2% or something like that. If you're lucky, it might be uh, 5%. Um, if you really go for one of these aggressive, so-called aggressive investment schemes, you might get 10%, 20%. But these servants are, are returning 500% uh, return on investment on, on, the, on, the, on the grant, the investment grant, uh, which was given to them. So I say that they are, they are legendary, even if they just got one extra mina from, from what they've previously been given. That would have been 200%. Uh, return on investment. So it's absolutely outstanding uh, performance. So these servants are, are coming in and they're, they're presenting themselves to the master. And you can imagine he's very well pleased and he rewards them uh, very graciously, uh, very generously, even as we have already said. And then, and then this, this person, this, 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 this person comes in, one chap comes in and the grant had been uninvested. It had, it had been uninvested. And he had literally, uh, he says he had laid it up with a napkin. He may as well have just buried it in the ground. And th this, is, this is absolutely incredible. This is, this is unbelievable. We, we know that the nobleman, he's a no-nonsense man. He's, he's, he's a man about his business. And, and what he says he expects to happen, what he, what he says he expects to, he invests hard, but he also rewards hard as well. And to, to just put the money away in a napkin is, is, is unthinkable, is, is totally incredible. Uh, I'm not sure if we have um, any uh, rugby uh, watchers here. The Rugby World Cup is ongoing at the moment, or, or uh, cricket, the Cricket World Cup is ongoing at the moment. and. Um, we have these top flight um, uh, athletes and uh, we have the best in the world and they, they are there. And uh, with rugby, these huge men, they, they weigh 150 kilos, but they can run uh, the same as Usain Bolt, amazing. Uh, and they can handle the rugby ball with such deft skill. And um, you can imagine uh, one of the coaches having his, his top players and he says, oh, I'm just going to leave them on the bench. I'll put the, the, the B team on. I'll put the B team on. It's only the World Cup. Uh, it's only every three years, every four years. I'll, I'll just put the, 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 the B team on. And everyone will be, well, what are you doing? What are you doing? And it's the same like this, this person. Given the investment grant, somebody's made a 1,000% return investment. Somebody's made 500% return investment. This person, just like the rugby coach who keeps his, oh, I'll keep my best players on, on the side. I'll keep my best uh, batters. Uh, uh, yeah, they, they don't need to go out. We'll, we'll, we'll see how we do. I'll just keep them uh, on the bench. The mina remains buried in the ground. Shocking, unbelievable. Let us try and get into the mind of this non-investor, this person who refuses to invest the mina. Somehow, he, he thought he would get away with it. Somehow he thought that it would all just work out and it would all be fine. Um, and 
the, the, the Greek word for, for, for servant here in this passage, there's different words which are used. Um, uh, sometimes the servant word actually means somebody's more of, a, of an official, somebody's actually a minister, uh, uh, quite, a, quite a, a, a high-ranking servant. But, but here, the, the, the word which is used for, for, for servant is actually the, the slave word. So this is, a, this is like a, a slave person, a, a low-ranking person, somebody who would want to, you'd think they'd really wanted to please the master. They knew that they were any minute, they could just be sold off or punished or something like that. So this is somebody who had every incentive to, to, to fear and to respect and to revere the instructions which were given to him uh, from, 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 from the master. Uh, and, and yet he, 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 he takes the, the course of action uh, which, which, which we can see. And uh, we, we, we can sort of point the finger when we read these things, we can point the finger and say, this, this chap is, is not well. This chap is, is he's, he's almost crazy. What, what, what is he doing? What is he doing? But whenever we read the scriptures, friends, we, we, we have to apply these things uh, to, to, to ourselves. We have to apply these things to, to our society. Do I behave the same way as, as this man here? This man here who was given this amazing investment potential and just puts it in a napkin and, and keeps it on the side. Do I behave the same as this man, this rugby coach? He's got his best players there, and he just keeps them on the bench. Yeah, I'll, I'll try in four years' time. I'll worry about it in four years' time when, when, when the World Cup comes again. Do we behave the same? We know, although this is a false view, as human beings, as a society, we, we, we know it's, it's a false view, but we know that God is austere. God is hard. God does have a law, and that law cannot be broken. He watches and he counts and he measures each and every sin. But instead of trying to please him and revere him and to honor him, instead of giving him some, some minimal uh, obeisance, instead we just ignore him. And we denounce him. We are behaving the same like this servant here. We can consider how also our society uh, responds to, to God's ways, uh, to, to God's nature in, in two ways. So we look at somebody who I'll call uh, non-investor type one. Non-investor type one. And instead of of having some fear for this God who we know is watching us and is measuring us and is, is counting our sins against us. Non-investor type one just insults, the, insults God and he does the greatest wickednesses. And he says, ah, oh, I don't even believe that he exists. Non-investor type one just says, this universe, we don't know how it was created. It's just going to exist forever. One day, maybe all just implode on itself. There is no plan. There is no meaning. We, we, we just sort of live as we please. We just live as, as, as I please. And this person pays no heed to God, no real heed to God. They do not concern themselves. Does he exist? Does he not exist? Should I go and research and find out if there is a God at all? And they just live for themselves. They don't notice that everything we see in creation 
has been perfectly fashioned for your use. Everything you use and enjoy in this world, it's actually, it works perfectly because he designed and created. Ah, I don't know that. I don't know that. I'm just going to carry on living as I please. And the investment grant which God has given to you, spiritual potential to know him, to walk with him, to be blessed by the everlasting gospel. It is just, it is just left aside. No spiritual fruit. And yet, as we noted earlier, the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, it is sure. It is fixed. It is absolutely sure, absolutely fixed in the Lord God's program. Uh, we will not, we do not have time to review them now, but, but the signs for the end of the world, they, they are all around us. They are all around us. So many of them have already been fulfilled. All the prophecies, all fulfilled. Uh, perhaps uh, the, or not perhaps, the, the, the last one to, to be fulfilled is the appearing of Antichrist. Then that's it. It's the end of the world. The Lord Jesus comes back. Judgment day. Heaven and hell. In an instant. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm not so sure. Antichrist. He, he, he could be a person. He could be a, an individual person. Uh, some uh, Bible expositors, they say that he could be a, a type of person, a collective. And we just see how much blasphemy is happening now. Do we not have Antichrist all around us already? So, so Christ could come back any minute, end of the world, judgment day. But people will not think about these things. Non-investor type one. They just discount it. Ah, will Christ come back? We don't know. I don't know. I don't care. It doesn't really matter. This is absolutely fixed in God's plan for this creation. And again, we, 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 we know that God is watching us. We know that God is counting these things against us. We do know these things. If you ask anyone, ask anybody, how do you get to heaven? Well, how do you think you get to heaven? They'll say, oh, yeah, be good, do good, and then, then you go to heaven. So they know. They know that God expects us to be good, do good. But they just ignore him all the same. And something which uh, ancient civilizations or uh, used to know much better than we do know, uh, they were some uh, quite barbaric, but, but they knew that they had to, to pay the gods something. They knew that they were insufficient, they were falling short, and they knew that they had to pay the God something to, to, to keep things okay, to keep things fine. And yes, you know, we, we can look back and say they were barbaric. What were they doing? Killing all these things. It was terrible. But they knew that God needed restitution for sins and for crimes, uh, which, they, they, which, which we have done uh, against him. So, so we know God's standards, and we know that we, we need to pay him for things. But non-investor type one just carries on, just carries on, just disbelieving in, in, in these things, ignoring these things. Somehow just telling themselves, it, it'll work out, it'll, it'll work out in the end, somehow. Those, those who are... Those who are parents, uh, those who uh, are parents uh, would have experienced uh, uh, little children. 
and uh, little children, as, as lovely as they are, sometimes every now and again, they a little bit of disobedience, a little bit of not doing uh, what mommy and daddy have, have said. But, but sometimes they do it in such a blatant way. You've, you've just said, do not touch so-and-so, do not do, so. and, and you're sitting there and, then, and straight away they, they're doing the very thing you told them not to do. And it's so blatant. And, you, and you're like, you really wonder, you're thinking, is it me? I just said what, what should not be done. And the child is just charging in, doing the very thing you said not to do. And that's, that's like how we are. The Lord God has spoken to us. The very thing we should not to do, we, we just and we just charge straight in. Non-investor type one. This is, a, this is an incredible decision against faith. This is an incredible way to try and proceed in life. Man is the highest in God's creation. We have been so honored. We have been so esteemed but we have great responsibility. The responsibility is, 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 I have no words for it. We have been given souls that will never die. Your soul will never die. It will go on for all eternity. What an investment has been given to you. What are you going to do with this soul that will never die? Oh, well, you know, uh, uh, are you going to just put it in a napkin, fold it in a napkin and just keep it on the side? We are meant to make something of our lives. We are meant to make something of our souls, our characters. This is God's investment grant to you. And to do nothing with it, no spiritual fruit is unacceptable. This is not a way forward for any to go. Non-investor type two, non-investor type two. So in some communities, atheism is, is thought to be uh, um, silly, thought to be unacceptable. So there will be other gods, other gods, other forms of gods. And they will say, ah, oh, our gods are just, accept are just as acceptable as, as, as your God. We have this God, you have that God, and our, our God is, is just as acceptable as, as, as your God. And so we, we ask the question, we ask the question, have you returned to your God the, the, the return on investment uh, which uh, your, your God expects? What, what sort of, of return on investment uh, does, does your God expect? And they will say, oh, we need to be loving, we need to be kind, we need to uh, feed the poor. Then we say, we say to them, have you returned spiritual uh, uh, gifts and spiritual fruit? Have you returned spiritual fruit to, to, to your God? And they'll say, yes, yes, I have, I have. Yeah, and more or less, more or less. Nobody is perfect. Nobody is perfect. And the, the, the bar starts to lower. The, the entry requirements for heaven starts to lower. Yes, 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 I return to my God, but I don't need to return perfectly. I can just return this much. And sometimes I do the, and I can return that much. And the spiritual fruit, I can return this little bit. And 
it is, it is clear that none of us can be 100% perfect. None of us can do all that God requires of us. But is, does, does God accept this? Does God accept this? One question, is God preeminent? Is God first place in your heart? The God of the Bible, this is his first commandment, the very first commandment. He must be first place. Is your, 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 your job, your career, is your, is your money, your well-being, is your social standing? Is that not really first class? Is, you, is, your, is your place in your community? Is that not really first place in, in your heart? So the very first requirement, the true spiritual test, which the Lord God has put before you, you have, you have, you have cut down. You've, you've smashed right through it. It's broken in pieces. How can you say then that you have returned, the return investment, uh, which God expects of you? Your return is insufficient. And it is unacceptable. The gains which you have made have not been received by the Lord God. And then how about doing good to other souls? Do you do real good to other souls according to your, your version of, 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 of the truth and your version of, 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 of what God requires? No, oh, yes, 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 I have. But, but not perfectly, not, no, not, not the full requirement. Every once in a while, I do get angry. Every once in a while, I, I stole something when I was 17. Is that acceptable? Is that acceptable? Other gods tend to, or generally all, prescribe what we call works religions. They say to you, do your best. Work hard. Do your best. And then we'll, we'll let you into heaven. This is, a, this is an incredible decision against the true faith, against our, our awareness that God is watching and counting our sins. The Bible and the Bible alone prescribes the way of grace. The way of grace. We, we, we cannot return enough. We cannot return adequately what the Lord God requires of us. And yet he knows this. He knows this. This is why he sent his son, the Lord Jesus, the Savior. This is why the Lord Jesus was on his way uh, to Jerusalem to go to the cross, to allow himself to be killed, executed by unworthy men. He did not fall into their hands just because he couldn't escape. He did not fall into their hands just because he couldn't call uh, 12 legions of angels, 60,000 angels to come and rescue him. He went to the cross willingly. He went to the cross to pay for the sins of those who will say, actually, I don't measure up. I, I can't do enough. The bit I have done, it has been done so poorly. It's been done unacceptably. And then I did so many other bad things as well. This is why the Lord just went to the cross, to pay for your sins, to pay and to grant you righteousness uh, to enter heaven. This is the way of grace. 
the the servant in our in our parable let's say he decided he wasn't going to invest the the money he sort of sat on it and then last minute he re- he realized oh no the master's come back uh, i should do something about this and if he had just confessed confessed to the master i'm really sorry i don't know what i was thinking i had this investment grant and i just laid it in a napkin and then when you came back, I suddenly realized I should have done something with it. I should have just confessed. He would have been forgiven. But he, he casts aspersions at the master and says, you are an austere man, so I didn't, I, uh, it's your fault. I didn't do anything with it. That's, that's, excuse my language, that's crazy. That's crazy. It's not God's fault. When we sin... We, we, we confess our sins to him. There is a way of grace. He is a merciful master and Lord. We don't need any proud excuse making, proud self-justifying. We confess our sins to him. And he will freely and openly forgive all those who repent and trust in the Savior. The Savior was sent uh, to rescue and to redeem uh, such as like we all are. We all fall short of his, his, his requirements. I heartily uh, commend and recommend him to, to anyone here who does not know him as, as Lord and Savior. Let us not follow this, these, this way, this, this incredible decision, this incredible path against faith and against grace as well. Uh, we close